Well, good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike, and I'm going to adjust this microphone just a little bit. Uh, got it in an even newer placement than last time. Uh, yeah, so we are in May. You know what? I don't even know what today is. Today is May 20-something. Uh, sure, I could find out if I wanted to. Um, let's see here. Yeah, May 26th. I knew it was somewhere in there. May 26th, 2021. And... We are uh, yeah, still not vaccinated here in Japan, but uh, it looks hopeful that it'll, it'll happen uh, at least this summer, maybe before the summer's out. It'd be nice. We'll see how that works out. Um, I know America is largely vaccinated now, which is great. Wish better access to vaccine, but we don't, and I suppose it is what it is, what it is, um, yeah, so I'm on my way to work as usual, it's a kind of a partly sunny day, <clears throat> we're not officially in the rainy season, but we had a lot of rain this week, uh, kind of off and on, but I got to get out and mountain bike yesterday and it was uh, fun but uh, had <laughs> several mishaps uh, to make a long story short I tumbled down a slope for about 15 or 20 feet uh, when I fell off my bike going up the hill uh, and then uh, dropped my sunglasses as I was riding and had to take a 50 minute hike maybe 25 minutes each way to find them back up the trail uh, and then I slid out and rammed a wooden structure that uh, Cam and uh, Pat built um, not their fault they built it really well uh, and then bent my wheel and knocked my my uh, handlebars out of alignment so I had to fix those on the trail but I had to just go on with the bent rim so I have to get the rim fixed hopefully this weekend we'll see how that goes so yeah anyway it was uh it was fun it was good to get out um but man it was just a little muddy because of all the rain and, and I had quite a few slide outs uh, which was not great yeah anyway uh been listening to some Thomas Merton Thomas Merton recently uh, <clears throat> the first book was on Zen it's kind of an odd title and I can't can't bring it up right now I can't remember exactly what that title was but it's kind of an, an interesting title um, but a short book on on Zen Buddhism and now I started one on the desert 
fathers? Is that no wisdom from the desert? Maybe. I think it's wisdom from the desert. Uh, is the a lot of old books that I'm. Yeah. So the first one was Zen and the Birds of Appetite, and the one I just started listening to is, yeah. Wisdom of the desert, yeah. The, the, the wisdom of the desert, Thomas Merton. Yeah. So I just started listening to that this morning. And it got me to thinking about the times in history where uh, people took to the desert to... Um, <clears throat> to escape from the decadence of society and to discover a more authentic um, relationship with God, I guess is the best way to put that. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes it wasn't intentional. In other words, people got thrown into the desert and in so doing got separated from society uh, and also their relationship deepened with God. Uh, and maybe right away, and maybe not right away. And sometimes it took days, and sometimes it took years. Uh, but it is a reoccurring theme throughout Scripture. Um, being thrown out of society is not always a good thing. Uh, Cain, I suppose, well, I guess you could first, first of all, I guess you would say that Adam and Eve were uh, kind of thrown into the desert when they were um, uh, cast out of the garden. And then Cain had to leave his family and go and he built cities. So he went from the society he lived in and, and uh, started building other cities. Um, and then, of course, uh, you have Abraham, who left his father's house, right? Left the world he knew and went out, struck out on his own. Um, uh, you have then, I, said, I suppose, Moses would be the next person in line for that, uh, who was raised as a prince in Egypt. Uh, but then uh, went into the desert for uh, 40 years, is what the Bible says, <clears throat> and uh, eventually met God at the burning bush uh, and became the, the prince of the Israelites, really. He became the leader of the Israelites. Um, but all, it all happened through desert experiences. <clears throat> David, uh, I'm sure there are people before David, but David is another one who <clears throat> had to flee society, had to flee Saul, uh, lived traveling, right, as a nomad in the desert for a time. Um, sorry, I got a little frog in my throat. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, so I think David, or at least David partially would fit that. I think uh, Elijah, who spent time in the desert, 
maybe the longest, well, not the longest of anyone, uh, but certainly a long time, I think three years, he sat under a tree uh, and it didn't rain. So basically, no rain equals desert, if you think about it. It's, it's a desert experience, in my mind anyway. Um, <clears throat> can't think of any others right off the top of my head in the Old Testament. I'm sure they they exist. I'm sure they're uh, they're there. Um, well, actually, yeah, I can. So the the people of Israel themselves, as a nation, uh, went from uh, both with Moses, right? They went from Egypt uh, and um, a very fertile part of Egypt into the desert, of course, as a people, and then again. Once they were established as a nation, they were sent to exile. Uh, and they went into Babylon, uh, which is certainly desert now. I suppose it was somewhat desert then even. Uh, and then, yeah, so that brings us to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we have you have two major figures, obviously. Uh, one is... <clears throat> John the Baptist. Actually, I can think of three desert figures in the New Testament off the top of my head. Uh, you have John the Baptist who, who dwelt in the desert, more or less, his entire life, uh, eating locusts and wild honey, right? And wearing uh, camel hair for his uh, clothes. Uh, he preached in the desert. He, he didn't seem to go into urban places. He stayed in the desert and people went to him. So people left society to go out into the desert to hear the wisdom of John. Um, and then, of course, Jesus. And Jesus, uh, a few times in his life, I suppose we could, we could make this case in that... Uh, the uh, New Testament says that he was pursued, his parents and he were pursued by uh, basically um, Herod trying to kill him and killed all the boys and they were warned by an angel to, to get out of Dodge and so they fled to Egypt. They were exiles in Egypt and then they returned to Nazareth when after Herod had died. I don't know what year that would have been. Uh, and then of course, as Jesus begins his ministry, uh, he goes out into the desert for 40 days uh, and is, uh, not only does he fast, but he's tempted by Satan uh, three times. And then he returns from the desert uh, to begin his ministry. Um, and, and the third one, I think, is Paul. So Paul... Uh, course we know his conversion story on the road to Damascus uh, he was confronted by um, Jesus and Jesus said why do you you know why do you persecute me and after Paul had received uh, Christ he received Jesus uh, he um, his faith started to grow he went into Arabia for I think two or three years is what it says. Um, 
until he started his ministry. No, we don't know what he did there. We don't have much evidence, I don't think, of what he was doing while he was in the desert. Uh, but still, it's mentioned, right? It's it's right there, um, right there in Scripture. So, yeah, there's just a lot of interesting, interesting things that have happened with people leaving society and going to the desert. And then after this time, when Constantine uh, nationalized uh, Christianity uh, as uh, the religion of the Roman Empire. <clears throat> Some of the uh, Christians of the day um, did not believe, and this is, you know, things that I've heard before, but it, you know, they were mentioned in in Merton's book this morning that I was listening to on Audible. This prompted them to go into the desert because. They could not see a scenario where Christianity and politics could coexist, right? They thought, they thought that Christianity was antithetical to, to politics. And so they um, took to the desert. They, they left society. Uh, they took to the desert and yeah so they took to the desert and uh, and lived in the desert to get away from the decadence of society in this what they saw as the corruption of the church uh, marrying itself to the empire and they went to the desert and this started the the desert monks the idea of uh, the uh, aesthetic uh, I think that's the right word um, I don't I don't pretend to understand all of the different Types of monks and, and sects and all of these things. But basically, you know, you have the Franciscans and the, um, the Jesuits uh, and uh, the Benedictines and uh, the Carmelites, which I think were nuns. But anyway, there are all of these different uh, groups in Catholicism that were created because they saw that the church was being corrupted uh, and I think mostly by the Roman Empire at this point and so they were more or less driven to the desert driven outside of society in order to um, they thought preserve uh, a, a truer walk with Christ <clears throat> And this went on for some time, and so we have all of these desert monasteries that were built. And of course, you know, they went into the desert, but the desert didn't stay the desert in a sense that they they stayed there probably too long by most accounts. They they um, became entrenched in the desert, built their own 
you know, kind of cities and, and you know, began to make their own society out in the desert. And probably some of those became uh, corrupted over time, which all, you know, man-made structures seem to do. But that's neither here nor there. I, I think the 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 driving the driving force that that puts true disciples into the desert, I think, is something that is a fact of following Jesus, and I think it's still uh, today happening. In fact, I, I would I would surmise that right now we may be seeing the single biggest exile into the desert by uh, people who are truly trying to follow Christ. And I think it's been caused by, in much the same way, the marriage of the church with uh, political structures. And perhaps it's, you know, of course it's always happened, right? There, There have been people that have uh, become fed up with um, institutional religion. But I have a feeling that it's happening at a greater pace today than it's ever happened before. And people aren't necessarily, necessarily physically leaving society to get out of it. But I do feel like they are leaving uh, their congregations, their churches. Uh, and are going into the spiritual desert, in a sense, to where uh, they feel like they can practice um, their... Uh, what's the right word? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to shy away from religious nomenclature. <laughs> uh, like, they're, they're trying to... Um, <clears throat> just be in a space where they can feel the presence of God without the um, yeah corruption of this uh, political wing of Christianity. And I think people doing that are doing that in all kinds of ways, and I think it's probably, as far as the numbers are concerned, it's probably greater today than it's ever been. Uh, and so I think, and, and I, I would, I, I would place myself in that group. Uh, I left um, institutional religion uh, about let's see, eight years ago, almost eight years. I guess this November will be eight years. Um, and haven't really looked back. Uh, now that doesn't mean that <clears throat> what I have found to replace institutional religion is necessarily great. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot wrong with it. There's still a lot wrong with me, in a sense, right? There, there, there are things that I could probably do better and, and, uh, be better and um, but in a lot of ways uh, I think the desert experience has helped me mature 
uh, in ways that I don't think I could have matured otherwise. I'm gonna take a sip of water here. This is gonna be a really weird noise because I'm using my squirt bottle for my bike. <clears throat> Still haven't cleared the cobwebs off my throat this morning. Yeah, so <clears throat> how about you? Are you in the desert? Or do you feel like you are in the desert? What are, the, what are some of the pitfalls that can befall us in the desert? Uh, <clears throat> what, are, what are some of the things that, that we need in the desert to survive? And, and what can we do in the desert that can help people back in the cities, right? What sh shouldn't that be our goal, right? Shouldn't that be our goal for, for going in the desert in the first place? Uh, not just a selfish goal of of richening enriching our own lives with Christ, right? Um, but shouldn't we have the the goal of eventually returning? returning to society, returning back to, uh, back to the cities with a renewed, uh, refreshed, more pure gospel, a better version of the good news that can bring life, uh, back to, uh, the dead institutions of the cities. Right? Shouldn't that be our goal? <clears throat> I'm speaking metaphorically, obviously, because I don't think many people actually leave to go in the desert, although some people, I'm sure, do. Uh, some people probably go into the country or, you know, go out of cities in order to escape um, what they see as the corruption that, that exists in greater, you know, populated society, you know, cities. It's <laughs> the best way to say it, I guess. Uh, so I guess I'll talk about what should, should we be doing in the desert. And I think the first thing that the desert is, is a time of deconstruction. And this is a big buzzword right now, deconstruction. Uh, we also call it detox, right? Detoxification, deconstruction, where we, uh, have to peel away the layers of corruption that we have uh, taken on just for having lived in uh, the city, having lived in society, corrupt society. And so we have to get, we have to peel away layers uh, of, of um, for example, corrupted gospel, uh, corrupted theology, corrupted eschatology and soteriology and all of these things and we need to get back to Jesus and so the we go out in the desert to find Jesus to meet Jesus because Jesus uh, is there in his simplest form right and we are less distracted uh, by all the trappings of society right and so in the desert is where we can meet Jesus, uh, hopefully in his rawest form uh, and us in our most raw form. 
and see him as he truly is uh, without blinders uh, you know as much as possible uh, but deconstruction, deconstruction, depending on who you are, uh, could take, I suppose, months or years. Um, I, I, I found myself just a few minutes ago uh, having a thought, <clears throat> but I it immediately recognized it as a as a bad thought. I was thinking about, you know, how long has it been since I baptized someone? Now, if you know the background I came from, baptism, uh, baptizing somebody is pretty much the highest thing you can do. It's the best thing you can do because you have taken part in somebody else's salvation when you baptize someone. Because we believed, uh, I used to believe, that salvation came through baptism. That nobody could be saved unless they were baptized. Well, I don't believe that anymore. Uh, but still, the thought entered my mind when when I was thinking about um, what I've done since I've been in the desert, uh, and I the, the the little shame, you know, the little uh, devil came on my shoulder, saying, you know, why haven't you baptized anyone in a long time? It just kind of popped up, which shows me that I'm still I still have a little ways to go in deconstructing, uh, at least, you know, in that manner. That that's still thought that can creep into my mind Uh, and it's not just the thought that why haven't you baptized anybody but it's the thought it's the feeling of shame that accompanies that right and this feeling of shame means that I'm not fully embracing the grace of Jesus yet because I still feel guilty right Um, so that you know I still have a ways to go in deconstruction, deconstructing, right? I'm, I'm not completely uh, free of the shackles that once uh, bound me, right? Uh, but deconstruction is one of the, the main things we do in the desert, and and things become simple in the desert because survival becomes key, and survival, uh, to use some more metaphors, are going to be about water shelter water food and shelter right those are the things that you're going to have to find in the desert in order to survive in the desert water food and shelter uh and of course jesus talks about water food and shelter right the the new testament the entire bible talks about these things these are these are themes uh that are found throughout scripture but just to save time, I'll talk about, uh, you know, Jesus. And, of course, in John chapter 4, we have the story that Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, and he said, he talks about, uh, you know, the water in this well, you'll drink it, but you'll become thirsty again. But I have water that I can give you, right, uh, that will spring up within you and be an everlasting uh, spring of water and you will never thirst again this is the water that we're seeking in the desert right we're seeking the true water of Jesus you know and what is that uh, also Jesus talks about uh, unless we eat his eat his flesh and drink his blood we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven 
right? Meaning we need to, we need to be consuming Jesus, that, that, that having Jesus in our body, right? Again, metaphorically, uh, is what will sustain us, right? Um, and then of course the idea of shelter, uh, comes into the idea of on, on I guess on the biggest scale the kingdom of God itself right the kingdom is a shelter and then you know the the apostles talk about how we uh, Christians are being built together as the dwelling place of God we are the shelter of God that God will live in us and of course God also shelters us under his wings as a mother hen that God is our shelter and that we are God's shelter. It's kind of an interesting, interesting way of looking at things. Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, all of the all of the things that we need in the desert to survive, water, food, and shelter, uh, are addressed by Jesus as being spiritually important. And of course, we want to uh, discover these these spiritual truths, the spiritual water, food, and shelter, uh, and that will help us to survive in the desert. But that's just survival. That's not thriving, right? That's not flourishing. That's just survival. And I think we start there, right? But, but how do we go from there to flourishing, right? How, how do we how do we begin to contribute to human flourishing? Uh, and I think the first thing we need to realize is we need to go to people, right? And where are people? Uh, people are in cities. Uh, and the New Testament, much of the uh, epistles are dedicated to this uh, going into cities and saving people there, right? So how can you take your desert experience into cities and in a sense remain in the desert but bringing the truths that you learned in the desert to the city, to people, right? Um, And I think this is where we have to be careful of our soteriology. So, So much of salvation theology has been geared toward saving people from eternal damnation and saving them for living eternally in some kind of ethereal heaven. But I don't think that's what the New Testament addresses anymore. I don't think that's what the New Testament uh, by and large addresses. I think what the New Testament talks about mostly is saving people for this world, in this world, for their life, during their life. That salvation after life is taken care of, right? And so, and so if we're talking about saving people spiritually with, with spiritual water, spiritual food, spiritual shelter, so that they can spiritually flourish, that flourishing and that salvation is for this world, that they can be saved from the chains that bind them now. That they can flourish now in this world today, that they can find 
love and joy and peace and and relief from suffering now and so salvation by and large is not talking about after death it's talking about now as people live that they need to be saved from the miserable hopelessness of their lives now they need to be released from their chains now today and so our our job job is the wrong word our our pleasure is to bring the freedom that we found in the desert to the people in the cities and perhaps yeah perhaps those people will want to go want to go to the desert themselves perhaps it will become necessary but for us those who have gone before those who are ahead we're not trying to save somebody from eternal damnation but damnation in this world now from the hell that people experience now in this world that that they experience for example when a child dies and they enter hell when their child dies how can we bring them hope now that will help them live and flourish and and be able to be refreshed and renewed in this world now when someone in your family commits suicide can we bring something to the survivors that will help them even in a little bit even in a little way help them experience the kingdom of heaven now heaven in this life I think we can and I I think that's where our focus should be bringing relief comfort belonging to people now in this world we need to we need to try to stop reading the bible as a manual of how to get us to heaven and more as a guide on how we can bring heaven to this world today we're doing it wrong the best way I can say it we're doing it wrong you're reading your Bible wrong and I read my Bible wrong for a long time for a very long time and it's not something that you're gonna start doing just because I say it right if you're already reading it wrong you're probably gonna have to enter the desert before you discover how to read your Bible uh, it, it's gonna take it's a process man and deconstruction is no joke and it may not be for everybody and the thing is it's okay if you don't deconstruct it's okay if you don't start reading your Bible another way You're, you you are going to be taken care of regardless I believe by Jesus whether or not you have a robust theology doesn't matter to Jesus However, however, the quicker you discover 
who Jesus actually is. The quicker you discover um, the kingdom of God is for this world now, the, the sooner you are able to be Jesus to suffering people, the quicker you are able to bring heaven to those who are, are in hell in this life. And that's really what we're that that's why we've been saved right we have been saved so that we can help bring salvation to people here and now there's hope there's a lot of hope there's probably way more than hope um Yeah, so if you if you have not gone to the desert, but you're starting to to believe a different way, I, I suggest uh, first of all you start praying for guidance and, and find people that you can talk to that will listen to you about your doubts, about Hank how things are going. Uh, you can always talk to me. You can find me on. Facebook. Uh, I'd be glad to talk to you about it. Uh, yeah, I think there there is a reason for you to enter the desert. And if you think it's something you should do, it probably is something you should do. If you don't see the point at all, then it, you're probably not ready for it, and that's fine. It's all right. Um, The desert's not for everybody all the time. Um, but if you think that, man, maybe I should enter this desert. Maybe I should, you know, pull away um, from what I see as a corrupt system that is hindering me from from seeing a true picture of Christ. Uh, then I suggest you waste no time uh, and and withdraw right withdraw and and when you withdraw withdraw with first of all with support have somebody that's that's gone before you if possible to guide you through the process or at least just listen to you um, don't go it alone chances are that the spirit is preparing somebody else's heart around you who is also on the same journey you don't have to enter the desert alone um, and go with prayer. Prayer, uh, I believe, will help you stay focused on the things that are most important. Well, the river is really high today. Sorry, I just, just got distracted. I think prayer will help you focus, stay focused on the things that are important, uh, and and kind of help you not become too self-centered which is uh, really important and kind of maybe one of the main pitfalls of going into the desert right you don't want to be self-centered you want to be of course centered on Christ um, as much as you can uh, 
you're not going into the desert for selfish reasons, but so that you can actually better serve uh, your fellow man. Well, I've come to my place of employment. I'm going to need to hop out of this car and get to work. But uh, yeah, you guys think about it. Um, if you are in the desert, you are not alone. Many have gone before you uh, and many will go after you. Um, so good luck with that. <laughs> God bless you in that. Bye.